Hello, friends, and welcome to Year 9. That's right, Season 9 of the Juice Box Podcast. This is Episode 819. Today I'll be speaking with Kate. She is a young person living with type 1 diabetes for not very long. I recorded this not too long ago, but have been saving it, especially to start off a new season with. Kate's story is one of perseverance and resolve. That's right, it's of perseverance and resolve, and it is uncommon, and I took a lot from it. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and complete their survey. The T1D Exchange survey supports diabetes research and it can only do it with the simple answers to the simple questions that you get asked in the survey. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Help move diabetes research forward right there from your home, right on your sofa, or wherever you're sitting. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash. You can get started right now at Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by US Med. Now, U.S. Med is the place where Arden gets her Dexcom and Omnipod supplies, and you can get those and much more. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check today and get started with the white glove treatment from U.S. Med. Hi, my name's Kate. I have been a type 1 diabetic for a little over a year now. Um, And yeah, so it's actually not really where my story started. I had a spinal cord injury in December of 2017. Um, And so it was kind of a, kind of had a lead of events that have happened to me over the past five years. All right. We're going to find out about that. Um, How old are you now? I am 24 years old. 24. Kate, you have a um, an older voice. Do you know that? I do not, know. Maybe it's just the headphones. <clears throat> it could just be your microphone. You sound like, um, I don't know, you sound like you've, well, maybe it's not that. I was going to say you sound like you've been through some shit. <laughs> like you have kind of a, <laughs> like a gravitas to your voice. You know, you're like, my name is Kate. Like you just very, have you always been like a measured person? Um, I would say definitely, definitely in the last few years. Yeah. No, since, since my injury, especially it's kind of forced me to grow up really fast. I I, I don't mean this poorly. Okay. Kate, please take me at my word on that. But if you would have told me I'm 56 years old, I would have been like, all right, that makes sense. Cause Kate's got kind of a low, easy way about her. Like you speak like, I don't know. All right, let's figure this out. All right, Kate, so you're 24. Jeez, you were diagnosed a year ago with the diabetes, but you're saying that something happened before that. 
So tell me about it, please. Yeah. So it was um, December of 2017 is when the injury actually happened. Um, But prior to that, in high school, I had started experiencing back pain. Um, But I really didn't think anything of it. I was uh, on the rowing team. um, So I was, you know, kind of putting a lot, putting my body through a lot. Um, so I just kind of dismissed it as, oh, you know, you're not stretching well, you're using your body really hard, you know, la di da di da. And I just kept on going with life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was the end of my senior year, and I happened to be in a, a Rite Aid pharmacy. I think I was picking up a script for one of my parents or something. Anyways, I was headed down the like aisle that gets me closest to, um, quickest to the the pharmacy line Mm -hmm. and it happened to be my uh, my right leg gave out and I fell and I ended up knocking over a whole shelf's worth of pills uh, like supplements and stuff and I was like awesome perfect perfect aisle for this to happen too (laughs) um (laughs) and so it was that was kind of like the eye opener of like no something's seriously going on I got to get this figured out so did your in in that moment, did your legs just give out? Like, what was the sensation? Yeah, it was my right leg completely just buckled underneath me. Like, I was walking, and it was like, nope, you are you are not continuing. Um, no pain prior so or anything leading up to the moment? I had been experiencing pain, and I was having really bad, like, sciatica and stuff. At the time, I didn't know it was sciatica. Right. Um, I just... You know, it was like, wow, I'm getting this like shooting pain down my leg. My back hurts a lot. I feel like an old person and I'm not even 18 years old. Wow. <laughs> um, had you, may I just ask, had you been telling your parents about this or no? No, I had not. No, it was just, I completely thought it was, you know, I had been putting a lot of work in as far as rowing because we had the state championships coming up and it was my senior year. So I was really putting a lot of work into that. Mm-hmm. Um and I just dismissed it as, you know, your body's going through a lot right now. Yeah. You're, you're putting your body through a lot of work. Okay. So that was, I just dismissed it as that. Okay. So um, you're on the floor in the pharmacy, vitamin D, zinc, B12, so Flintstones <laughs> chewables, they're all around you. This is how I imagine it, by the way, just like marbles on the floor. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. exactly what it was. Um, and I have, of course, it happened to be in one of those moments when there was a lot of like a fair amount of people inside the pharmacy. And I was like, and a few people came over and they were like, Oh, are you all right? And of course me being the young person I was, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Get myself up quickly. Start like picking up the bottles with these few other people that are helping me. And you can kind of tell they look startled, but I just tried to brush it off. Like, Nope, Nope. I'm fine. It's okay. I just, you know, stumbled or something. So we get it all picked up i go to the pharmacy pick up the the script that i needed to pick up um and then you know went about went about my day the rest of the day and i think it was a couple days after that where i was like no i really gotta really gotta get this looked at so i told my i think i told my mom um I don't even think I really directly told her that I think it was actually I went for one of the um sports wellness checks and then he, my primary care was doing like 
all the things he does to check. And he was doing one of the reflex checks um, in my legs and I had none of the reflexes. And he was like, oh, we got to get this looked at. And then that's what led to um, me getting, I think it was just an MRI. Okay. Um, And then they saw a herniated disc. So at first they went on the route of like physical therapy. Um, That didn't help. So then they did an injection that didn't help. Um, Continued with physical therapy. This was probably another like six months that, you you know, can I ask, did you continue to row or did it shut down your activity? Um, I continued to row. I rode all four years of high school. Hmm. Yeah. I, um, so, and leading up to that, like, you know, we saw the herniated disc and the doctor, um, that they referred me to is like, Oh, did you have an injury or anything? And I was like, no, not that I can, I can recall. Like, no. Yeah. I Um, sit on a thing and I go back and forth with my arms a lot, but other than that and throw myself on the floor at the pharmacy, I haven't done it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yep. And so I, um, you know, went through that things weren't resolving. The disc did not go back in, you know, like they had hoped. were hoping it would. So they went in, did a microdiscectomy, um, and it actually ended up failing pretty immediately. Like I was still, when I was in the hospital, they were doing all the, the tests to see if, you know, oh, is that nerve still being pinched? And one of the tests they did with my legs, they it inclined them to do another scan and they saw that the disc had herniated. So we kind of went back through that whole process that I did leading up to that first surgery. Okay. They still weren't getting... Give me a second, Kate. They did the... Okay, a microdiscectomy, also sometimes called microdecompression, minimally evasive surgical procedure performed on patients with a herniated lumbar disc. During the surgery, surgeon will remove portions of the herniated disc to relieve pressure on the spinal nerve. They did that, didn't do anything for you. They went back to PT after that? Yeah, so we went back to PT. They were hoping that just because of the the surgery, it was, you know, the muscles kind of all got moved around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that it would, it would go back in, you know, once the muscles are kind of back to their homeostasis kind of point. Did that um, sound like bullshit? To you when they said it or I I was young. I I really young yeah yeah young and uninformed and really didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I want this pain to go away. Like, all right, let's continue with PT. And I was at the time I was still in the mindset of like, okay, you know, it's a little hiccup, like I'll get get back to life, you know, here just do what the doctors tell me and take care of my body as best as I can sure. in this time. And I'll, I'll get back to normalcy. Um, so yeah, we continued PT. Um, I can't remember. I, for some reason I feel like they did another injection. Um, yeah, I had two or three spinal injections. Um, and then, yeah, so it still hadn't helped. They did another MRI. They saw that it was still, still herniated. So they went back in and did a revision laminectomy. Um, and within that, he said that like, as he was doing the surgery that, you know, my disc was, it was not like 
fully intact. It was kind of just crumbled in pieces. Um, but within that surgery, something happened. We still don't have exact answers as to what happened. But mm-hmm. when I came out of surgery, I had lost um, like all feeling in my legs. And actually, I had lost feeling from um, about the C4 down and um, a lot of movement from the C4 down. And so that then led to a long hospital stay of many tests being run and trying to figure out, you know, what the heck happened. Um, and to this day, they don't have exact answers, but their best guess is that I had a, a either a spinal stroke or a, a blood clot that traveled up my um, spinal, spinal canal and uh, damaged, damaged my spinal cord. Kate, you um, didn't get this done behind a Dunkin' Donuts or anything like that, right? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Nope, it was actually at one of the one of the best uh, practices um, in Michigan. Wow. So, yeah, Holy nope, hell. it was. Can you describe for me a little bit at that age? For I guess it doesn't matter what age you are, but waking up and having that experience. I mean, just devastating seems like the word, but can you talk, talk me through the days afterwards? Yeah. So that surgery was December of 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, I had actually, I'd graduated high school then and I had started immediately, um, at fair state, um, for construction management leading up to then, I was actually like, I was working for a directional drilling company um, that installed fiber optic internet. And like, I'll tell you, like, I really thought my life was set and like, I was on my path, you know, my career path as far as doing construction management, you know, I was working in a kind of indirect path of construction, but like, you know, I was doing what I loved. I was working outside, you know, Mm-hmm. doing physical labor yeah and that was that was what i loved i was very much so an outdoor person okay um and in that moment i will say like probably the first two two to three months were like really dark for me i was just stuck in this like how am i gonna do what i was doing and like going to ferris and stuff and um, for what I was going to school for, like my mind was just stuck in, in how am I going to get back to that? Mm-hmm. Um, when in the moment, you know, I was like fully dependent on other people as far as my care. Okay. Um, and on top of that, I was having, you know, just a lot of health complications from all of it. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely, definitely really dark in the, the beginning days, as far as that, um, I was, I will say like, just because I think a lot of it revolved around the physiatrist that I had inpatient at the rehab hospital I was at, he kind of just went real textbook with it and was like, all right, this is going to be your life. Like you're going to need a caregiver 24 seven. You're going to be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Um, and you're going to have to figure out how to, how to make this work. And I was like, wow, wow, pal. Like, 
nice to meet you too. And Thanks for sprinkling the roses around before we talked about it. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. He, I, I wonder if, I wonder if he, it was it a he it had to be a he. There's no way a girl. It was talked a he. To, yeah. 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 <laughs> no way any decent <laughs> woman with any reasonable mothering skills said that to you. So, um, so I wonder if he had just seen people fight it for so long that he found that, I don't know. It seems weird to me. It's just, it, to me, it seems like the almost similar to, you know, if a person with diabetes isn't managing their diabetes, well, I'll start telling them about, you know, oh, yeah, if you want to lose a leg, I guess you keep going like this. You know, like it's re- really a just a rough way to to come at someone, you, you know, when maybe a little more concern and care might help. But um, yeah, I, I just want to make sure that I understand everything. So this this injury that a surgical injury, I guess, is how we're thinking of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we attack this disc problem first. Um, there's a surgical injury and it leads to, I want to understand, cause I don't, I'm not good with the terminology, Kate, you're paralyzed. Is that, yeah. the, that's the word Yep. from about where down? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, is it between the nipples yeah. and the belly button? I'm trying to think of a way to say it and I'm not good at it. So, um, is it like midline, like your sternum, like where, where at? I'm affected from about the collarbones down. The collarbones, um, okay. To some to some degree, so I I have like I have no movement in my legs or my core, mm-hmm. and then my arms. So my hands are pretty affected. My triceps are pretty shot, um, and so it's it's kind of hit or miss. So it's they would consider me what's called an incomplete spinal cord injury. So signals are still being sent down the, the spinal cord, but they're just, they're fuzzy. They're mm-hmm. kind of messed up. They're not complete. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Kate, that was, that was the most descriptive yeah anyone has ever uttered on this podcast. You're like, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of fucked. So, like, I feel like is what you were saying, uh, but but that's wow, my god! And you're 18 years old when this happens. Um, I was 19. 19 at that. Yeah, oh, because they, you know, because you had to go to physical therapy six times. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so your so your hands, like right now, like, did you set this up for yourself today? The the interview, or did somebody actually have to help you with this? We all get our diabetes supplies from somewhere at our house. We get them from U.S. Med. Why do we do that? Well, U.S. Med offers white glove treatment. They are the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the fastest growing tandem distributor, again, nationwide. U.S. Med is rated number one in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Isn't that amazing? Over 1 million diabetes customers have been served by U.S. Med since 1996, and they offer you better service and better care. But they offer you more than that. They also offer you 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping when you place your order. They carry everything from insulin pumps, diabetes testing supplies, and the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 3, the Dexcom G6, and I'm hearing that they'll have the Dexcom G7 just as soon as possible. Guess what else U.S. Med is doing? Through their pharmacy benefits, U.S. Med dispenses Novolog Insulin Aspart and Humalog Insulin Lispro. How about that? USMed.com. 
forward slash juice box. Head over there right now and get started. Or if you prefer the phone, 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check and get going with US Med. Sometime in 2008, when my daughter was four years old, my wife and I had a conversation. It sounded a little like this. We don't want Arden to go to school while she's doing MDI. We want her to have a pump. And so we went out and looked at all of the available pumps. And it was easy to decide to go with the Omnipod. It was tubeless. It was small. And it wouldn't hold her back or get caught on doorknobs. She could swim with it, take a shower, go to gym class, all without being attached to a controller by tubing. That was a long time ago. And my daughter has been wearing an Omnipod every day since then. Every day since 2008. And here we are standing in 2023. Omnipod has been with her through the entire thing. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can make that same decision. Go find out right now if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Or if you're looking for something with an algorithm, something that can make some of those insulin decisions for you, go check out the Omnipod 5. They're both at the same link. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now you may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. So that's definitely worth looking into. But if you're looking to get started with an algorithm... You can't go wrong with the Omnipod 5. Give it a shot. Maybe many years from now, you'll be able to say that Omnipod has been a friend to you for all these years, just like we can. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions, you can also visit Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. If you can't remember the links, they're all at juiceboxpodcast.com. And when you click on my links to Omnipod, to US Med, or to any of the sponsors, you're helping to keep this show free and plentiful for the listeners. So please, if you're going to buy this stuff, use my link. Now we're going to get back to Kate's conversation, which is longer than some of the conversations that you're accustomed to in the podcast, but but so very worth it. So I, I set it up myself. I will tell you it's like everything for me just takes a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So like I was up, I got up about, about six o'clock this morning, you know, got myself breakfast, got myself dressed. Um, but it took me a long time to get to the point where I am. And like, I will tell you, it was definitely a bumpy road. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as learning how to, you know, transfer into my wheelchair by myself and even just propel a, a manual wheelchair um, by myself. Like I, that was the one thing in the beginning, you know, they had told me, oh yeah, you're going to need to be in a power chair. And I was like, fuck that. Like, mm. hell no, that is so inaccessible. That big bulky thing. Like my arms work. We're going to make, we're going to figure this out. And so getting out of, so do you live by yourself? Yes, I actually do. Um, wow. So up until about a month ago, I was living with my parents. 
Um, my mom, she comes home on the weekends. So it was primarily my dad and I, mm-hmm. um, and, but even with that, like I was, I would say 90% independent. Um, for a long time, I had a nurse coming in a couple times a week to help me with, you know, basic ADL things like showering and stuff, just because, you know, wet surfaces is not always the safest, but <laughs> You didn't pick up um, any SEAL skills after this happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, so um, go ahead. No, so, okay, so you had somebody coming in. I, I, Kate, I'm so sorry. I'm fascinated, and I want to get answers, and I don't know how to be delicate just because I don't know the right words, but how do you go to the bathroom? Yeah, so because of my spinal cord damage, um, I have, I'm on what's called a bowel regimen. Um, and then also I have to use intermittent catheters to, um, relieve my, my bladder and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so none of that is voluntary for me anymore. Um, and so it just, that's another step in my life that it takes a lot, lot longer, um, than the average person. And it takes, you know, having a regimen, um, and so, yeah, that was also in the beginning days, that was a huge hurdle for me because I was getting a lot of bladder infections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was probably one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over in the beginning days. You know, they had done what's called a, um, in the beginning days, we started me off on intermittent catheters. I was getting a crap ton of infections, um, like really bad infections to the point where I was like throwing up and passing out and stuff. Um, Kate, so then they did a super. Uh, hold on. Intermittent catheters, like the nurse showed up and gave you a Foley and that happened every once in a while. Or what does that mean? Um, so Foley catheters typically are a catheter that's placed. And it stays in place for, okay. you know, anywhere from two to four weeks. And then it's changed out again. An intermittent catheter is essentially a catheter that's inserted, drains the bladder, and removed. And who would do that for you, the nurse? Um, I, I actually learned how to do it myself, but I also had help from a nurse in the beginning days. Okay, because you said the nurse was only there every couple of days, but you couldn't go a couple of days without urinating. That's why. I oh, was, goodness. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. why I was trying to figure it out. So you could. Wow. So you were to dumb this down for me. You'd like pop a straw in there, let it out. And then that's it. You go back to life after that. Go back to life. Yeah. How many times of day do you need to do that? Um, It varies from day to day, depending on like how much fluids I'm drinking, especially since. I really picked up on the um, hand cycling. I'm drinking a lot more. So mm-hmm. me right now, it's typically every three to four hours. Okay. All right. Um, do you live in a, a rather small place or is it bigger because you need open space? So the place I'm in right now is actually quite cozy, but it's there. It's like really it's open like if you saw it, you'd be like, wow, this is a small place. But like, no, I've made it work. It works for it's, you. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so we got number one covered. Number two, you said a bowel something. It's a bowel regimen. So it's it's kind of like the catheterization. It's, you know, I have to use what are called suppositories 
um, once a night um, to help move that along because essentially, so the, um, the intestines, they have something what's called peristalsis and that's essentially what moves, you know, the fecal matter through your intestines Mm -hmm. um, just naturally. And ours is slowed down and paralyzed a lot. Okay. Um, And so essentially we have to manually evacuate. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's that. Yeah. again. Okay. Can we just call this episode? Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. I love your yeah very much. So, um, okay. So that's how that happens. Does it make you, God, I can't believe you got diabetes, but hold on a second. We're not even up to that yet. I'm trying to figure out uh, when you when you go to eat or drink, obviously you need to sustain yourself. But is it in your head, if I eat this, it's going to have to come out? Um. So in the beginning days, it was definitely hard um, because the really tricky part about it is like, you know, we have to keep things relatively easily able to move through our, our system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that really included, you know, eating a lot of fiber and figuring out what foods might like, Oh, does this food upset you or cause things cause you to get more constipated and stuff? Um, and if it does, so in the beginning done, say that again, if, if you find a food that doesn't go well with your body, then done, you don't eat it again. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Except for, um, come on, Kate, what's the one where you're like, all right, I'll take the hit for this? So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's definitely still, it's been hard for me. So, like, pretty immediately after my second surgery, I developed a couple allergies that are like EpiPen worthy. Um, one of those being adhesive and skin glue. So, that was fun healing my incision after my second surgery Hmm. because of the allergic reaction. But the other one happens to be dairy, um, which eliminates a lot. Um, So I would say I was like, before I was sensitive to dairy and, you know, it would give me really bad gas and diarrhea, but now it's like, it's just out of the question. I can't have it. Um, Like, and so I will say just because of how crappy I feel, I really have not had too many foods where I'm like, yeah, that's going to make me feel like crap, but I really want it just due to how crappy it makes me feel. So typically I, since my injury, I, once I found what works best for me, like I've stuck to it. Um, yeah. Kate, I'm going to tell you something I wouldn't normally do. My daughter just texted me, right? And I'm going to read the text back that I sent to her. So she's in college. She's been in college for three weeks. I can't give a lot of details, but um, there was a a roommate issue that was fairly horrendous and uh, took a number of weeks to, to, um, to get through. So she's not having a good time of it. And it's just starting to get normal. A couple days go by, and then Hurricane Ian... Uh, decides that it's going to hit directly where she's at. So people bug out. She stays behind. They're hunkered down. Thankfully, the hurricane takes a turn, never even touches them, barely rains. 
So I kept telling her, I'm like, don't worry, Arden. I was like, you're going to get through this. The hurricane thing's going to end on Monday. You're going to go to school and things are going to start to look up. And she just texted me. I forgot my fucking water bottle. It's already a bad day. Now, Kate, if you don't mind, I'd like to respond to her. I'm currently interviewing a 24-year-old girl who became paralyzed at 18. Then last year, she got diabetes. She has to put a pill in her own ass to shit, find water. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Send. There we go. All right. Now, that's parenting where I live. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, holy heck, I forgot my water bottle. The day is shot. So uh, I, I'm i trying to think about, like, if there's a water bottle across the room and you're looking at it and you want it, you're like, all right, I guess I can get there in 20 minutes. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I, I it's fat. It's I don't know how you Kate. I'm going to ask you a question. I, I'm, I'm dancing around in my head the whole time. How do you not give up? So. You know, that's that's a question I get a lot. Yeah, I would imagine. When I was in rehab, I was in rehab for a really long time. Um, I actually had a dietitian at the time come in, and for some reason, she just like something in her registered like this person just needs someone to talk to. Um, and something she told me it was a quote that said, you know, essentially it said, you know, I can I can sit here in perpetual sadness of and just you know, mourn in my loss mm -hmm. or I can make the best of my situation and just, just get on with life. You know, yeah. things are going to be sh shit. Yeah. Just, yeah. Things are going to suck at times, but like, we just got to find light in the situations and, you know, move on as best as we can. So right. like, I'll tell you, like in the beginning days, one of the first things I discovered, wow, this really sucks was, I had gotten myself ready for bed and then the time came where I'm like, okay, I'm going to transfer into bed and go to bed and I get myself transferred. And at the time I'll, I'll tell you like transfers took me a good, probably five, six minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just to get myself into bed and I get myself into bed and I get the covers over and I look up and the lights are still on and I'm like, Oh, I would have given up. I would have just, I would have, I would have thrown myself out of bed and tried to jam my head into the floor. I would have, I, would have, I swear to you, Kate, I would have sat there going, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> that, that, no, that's quite literally what was going on, going through my head. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I would have been like, I would have been like, I would hit myself, but my hands don't work right and so like i would just oh my god i would probably lose my mind and and you're who's helping you therapy <laughs> your parents uh, um you, you, so it was at that time i was doing outpatient rehab where i was going into the hospital every day but staying at home overnight mm -hmm. um on that day i remember it was just my dad and my dad is one of those people He's, he's older. He's kind of hard of hearing. And at the time, I really didn't have a lot of lung capacity Perfect. at all. So Perfect, like, Kate. Perfect. Keep going. Tell the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I could try yelling. It's not going to get anywhere. Um, and so, of course, you know, I'm like, I'm one of those people. It has to be dark in the room for me to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like, has to be dark. So, of course, I get myself out of bed. 
the first thing I did was I went on Amazon and I ordered an Alexa because that was one of the things they told me in rehab was like, you know, be thankful we're in the day we are and you can order things like Alexa to turn your lights on and off. And I was like, that is so stupid. Like only lazy people do that. I'm not doing that. But Mm -hmm. that day that that happened, I was like, nope, (laughs) voice activated lights are happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would think so. And anything else I can figure out that will help me. Oh my yeah, I swear to you, Kate. I would have I I don't I would have I been like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Because there's gotta be hindsight, right? Like there's gotta be a part of you that thought I could have lived with the pain in my leg. Oh, oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was, you know, I I will say though, there was never a a point where I was like truly like just just take me back take me back i will say like i definitely had points where like man i really 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 miss my past and like this really sucks Mm -hmm. but at the same time i was put in a place where fortunately like immediately i had an amazing support system around me to like adapt to this new new life um you know the rehab hospital I was at, Mary Free Bed, they have an amazing adaptive sports, you know, program. Yeah. Um, getting people involved with doing the things they love again, whether it be adaptive sports or just things within the community. Um, and it happened to be for me, it was actually like sports. So I discovered wheelchair rugby and hand cycling. Um, and because of that, you know, I was surrounded by other people who were going through very similar situations as, as me um, and like getting to see that, you know, life is definitely still possible even despite this really sh- circumstance. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I, I guess it's interesting because there is literally no other option other than that one, right? Because just dying is the other option. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Um, and you know, it was one of those things where I was like, after I had had that, um, chat with that dietitian, it, it kind of turned over a new leaf where I was like, okay, yeah, this really sucks, but like, we got to do everything we can to make the best of the situation. Um, and at the immediate time for me, that was, um, just doing everything I can to, be a part of community. Um, so at, for the first probably year, it was trying out every single adaptive sport I possibly could and, um, physical therapy, outpatient physical therapy. Um, and then the crazy hair in me decided, no, I really want to go back to work. Um, and mind you, I still was going to school. Mm. Um, I just transitioned to online because the one, Yes. So if I'm not going to school, I don't have health insurance um, because I was on my parents' health insurance. I haven't so even I had to... like wrapped my head around this part yet. Is there, I mean, I just assumed there was disability that covered stuff like this, but is that not the case? Uh, it was not the case. My mom's health insurance is very stingy on like kids. Okay. Yeah. You can stay on the health insurance as long as you're in school. Um, that's, that's how we've 
interpreted it because every year we get a letter having to submit proof of enrollment. So yeah, that's, that was definitely, definitely fun. How many master's degrees do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. So I think, I think what we did in the beginning was like, I was just doing one class at the university I was going to Mm -hmm. because you just had to be enrolled part-time. Um, and because the university I was at, the classes were accelerated. One class covered the credit limit. It was a, a class every eight weeks. I understand. Um, yeah. So it was. So no, you can I, do this, I, Kate, you can do this till you're 26. Is that right? 26. Yep. Then what happens? Yeah. Then I, so actually being on um, the national team now for hand cycling, I have a health insurance opportunity. Um, oh, they did I'm like under- a group purchase for everybody. It's the national medical network. I not fully understanding it yet, but we're still, still kind of looking through all that and like getting a full understanding of that because yeah, let me tell you, I'm definitely a, <laughs> a deer looking into headlights as far as the day I come off my parents' health insurance. I'm tr- you're making me think of hold on a second. This is going to be ridiculous, okay? But I believe the Mennonite Church, which I be- which I you know what that is, Mennonites? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right, cake. Well, cool. Uh, was that one of the classes you took? Um, no, it is not. <laughs> I believe the Mennonite Church has done a I think they have like car insurance and like 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 insurance for their homes. I don't know if it's health insurance too. But there's such a large group of people, they're able to purchase insurance. So if you're part of the church, you can get this insurance. Please don't ask me how I know this. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's one of the weird things in life that I remember. And I was just wondering if the if the Hand Cycling Association or if people with spinal cord injuries in general could do something like that. Although I'm trying to imagine the insurance company, it was like, how many people with spinal cord injuries do you want us to cover? Yeah, sure. Come on in. Um, but you, you'd still have to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like, and you're not working, right? I, I, so that's the, uh, that was the part I was actually getting to was the crazy hair in me decided, no, no, I want to go back into work, get back, back to work. So I went through, um, a resource in Michigan called, um, Michigan Rehabilitation Services, MRS. Yeah. Um, Essentially what they do is they help people with disabilities find employment. Um, So within that, they found me a job through what was called Downtown Ambassador Program. Um, And with that job, what I was doing was pushing around all of downtown, you know, essentially just helping people within downtown, um, find places that they're trying to get to help with events that were happening downtown. We also helped, you know, kind of keep the the homeless population at bay. Um, if you know what I mean there. I don't, um, but at bay, do you whips and chairs or like do you take no, them to? Just, so in Michigan, they do a really, really good job as far as, you know, just enforcing upon the homeless population, like, Look, yes, you're homeless, but you know, please keep our city decent and like just don't make us look trashy. So, essentially. So, so do you sort of just kind of go around and do civic pride with them? Um, 
just essentially like, you know, if you get the homeless people who are, you know, heavily intoxicated with alcohol or drugs, then, you know, we have to call the police, get them involved. Um, All right, Kate, I have to tell you, I have so many questions. I don't know if I can let you answer any question longer than 30 seconds because I, I, I need, I need, do you drink? I do not. No. Did you before? Nope. No. You get high? Nope. Did you before? Nope. Do you it's, want to? I'm, I'm definitely a, not a <laughs> not an adventurous person when it comes, comes to, to all that. Things. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, uh, what else? Oh God, do you date? Yep. So I'm actually engaged. Um, he and I met when I was at Ferris. So before my injury, um. He, so actually when my injury first happened, he kind of became a like stressed mess and I, I just had to like, you know, step away a minute and be like, look, I've got like a lot happening with me and I, I need to figure myself out. I can't figure myself out and help you figure this out right. just with how bad it was. Um, so we took a pause for a while, but then we started dating again and now we're engaged and we have been for about three years now. All right, Kate, you know what I'm going to ask you next, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, as much as you want to answer the question, how do you be intimate? It's, it's different for, you know, different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, it definitely, you know, a lot of it was just figuring out what, what works best for us. Um, we're actually long distance right now. Um, and actually we have been throughout the entirety of our relationship just because we lived, um, two hours away. And okay. since I left Ferris, um, he, he was still at Ferris at the time finishing up his degree, but I was back in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, for us, a lot of it has just been like time to see each other in general, um, just because of us working with two completely different schedules I see. now. Um, and now that I'm in Colorado, um, he's actually still in Michigan, but, you know, working towards figuring out like, all right, what's the next steps for me to be able to, to move out there? So I hear you. Um, yeah. No, our relationship through our whole whole relationship has been been long distance, but you know, upon the grace of God, we've we've really made it work. Wow, um, that's amazing. You also amazing is your activity life. As I'm, you don't mind if I'm Facebook stalking you. I imagine while we're talking. So, um, oh, you have like I I see you racing bikes, shooting guns. Um, here I don't know what this is. Are you zip lining in this photo? What is oh, this? Oh goodness. A yellow helmet seated in a like a look at you're like, I don't know. I do so much stuff, Scott. I can't keep track of it all. Oh, uh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was. I got a canoe here. I, I I mean a canoe. There's <laughs> wheelchair. Is this like basketball? Am I seeing? Uh, is it the big tank-looking chair with this gnarly-looking net on the front of it? Hmm. I don't know, Kate. How many things? Why are you making me look lazy? What is going on? 
is what I don't understand. <laughs> Why am I looking at your activity and going, I got to pull it together and at least do as much as, uh, oh, I'm sorry, how do we characterize it? Parallel? Uh, what is it? Uh, like, how am I not doing as much as you is what I'm thinking. And I'm feeling very badly about myself. Okay. Um, tell me about the bike races a little bit. How far are they? So they vary in distance. I do two events um, called the individual time trial and the road race. Um, the time trial is essentially a race against yourself. And then whoever at the end has the best time mm -hmm. um, wins. So it's really challenging because you're, you don't see who you're racing against. You know, you're not chasing, chasing the mouse um, the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is the road race. Those ones are typically longer. The time trials that I have done so far have been anywhere from like, I'll say eight to 15 miles. Um, and the elevation within them vary greatly. Um, and then the road races are typically a lot longer and those can be anywhere from, you know, 20 to 30 miles. Oh my God. I don't like driving that far. What do you think of that? <coughs> All right. All right, Kate, I think it's time. I think I understand your life well enough to move on to this. I, you, <laughs> my God, you get type one diabetes. How, yeah, how, how, I, that probably felt like you left every light in the world on and got into bed. I'm imagining. So, um, first of all, any autoimmune issues in your family line, etc. So, I'm a John Doe when it comes to family history. Um, I was adopted in 2004 when I was 2003 or 2004 when I was four and a half um, from Ukraine. And we have none of my family history. So, so as far as figuring out me and my health has been like something happens. Oh, okay. This is, this is what we got to deal with now. Okay. Um, yeah. Kate, I'm adopted as well. Um, oh, are you? Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Like you just <laughs> everything. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't think it's fair to say I know exactly how you feel, but on this one point, I know how you feel. Like just everything is a mystery. And you have to figure everything out from step one. No, no aunt pulls you aside at Thanksgiving is like, listen, if you fart a lot after dinner, here's what you should do. It happens to all of us. Nobody talks about it. Like you don't get any of that stuff. You get like, I have a problem and I have to figure out what it is on my own because yeah, there's no one there to help. So you've, yeah. so you've got that going. Wow. How are your parents? I'm going to decide real for a minute. How are your parents with this injury? Like had, did they, both handle it gracefully or um was it hard for them um i i have really i have yet really to talk about with my dad he's always kind of been sheltered with his emotions he's never really been good at expressing them mm -hmm. um so he was pretty quiet through the whole thing my mom she is definitely a lot more expressive with her emotions um but in a good way, you know, it's, she and I are definitely very close. Um, and so it was definitely hard for her in the beginning. Um, but at the same time, I think I, I have had definitely 
And I think this just stemmed from me being adopted and my really kind of shitty upbringing in the education system in my beginning days due to not speaking English. Mm. Um, I have always, you know, if something major happens, like I definitely want to have a full grasp of it and like have full control. I've always been that way. Um, and so I think, I think things have gone as smoothly as they have just because of that, that aspect of things where I'm like, nope, nope, this is, yes, this is Shiba. Like, all right, we got to figure this out, you know, keep, keep the road as smooth as possible. I can't believe you had to learn English on top of all this too. That's yeah. Kate, has there any ever been three months of your life where you're like, Hey, this is going well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those looking back at it type things. You're like, wow, yeah, yeah no, no I um, it's it's one of these things where like, in a way, it sounds weird, but like, I'm so thankful I've had everything happen to me that I have had happen to me because like, it's just made me so much more thankful for the things I do have mm-hmm. and like the opportunities that that have come across. Um, like, I, I'll tell you, yeah, I've gone through, definitely had a lot of hardship as far as, you know, just making it in everyday society. Um, and I definitely still do to this day have my, have my down days, but you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's all been, all been worth it. Yeah. I mean, obviously everyone has up and downs and I imagine you did as well. Like that doesn't surprise me, but your overall attitude about this is astonishing. And is it something you can take credit for, or is this just how you're wired? I don't know. It's that, that has had definitely been a, a question of mine of like, you know, you know, why, why I have been able to take this so well, it's kind of like, it's been a question of mine, but I'm like, all right, you know, I'm glad that, that I am able to take it as well as I have been. And I think so much of it has just been because of the support system I've had. Um, You must know other people in similar situations to yours that are not handling it well. Is that true? Yeah, no, I've definitely, definitely met my fair share of them. It's, it's very sad, um, you know, and I, I've done everything that I can, you know, as far as at the end of the day, you know, you've even said this in your podcast, like we can do as much as we can to help others. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you yeah. and you putting in the work to make the best of your situation or to make, make out what you want of your life. Right and of your diabetes or of your spinal cord injury or whatever it be. Um, and so, you know, that, that message right there kind of has been what I think has helped me get through so much. Mm. You know, I still, I still want to be able to enjoy life and enjoy, enjoy the times I have with those around me. Right. Um, and so you just have to keep on keeping on. Does it, um, does your injury impact your life expectancy? Yeah, it definitely can. Um, it's one of those things kind of, I kind of, to me, it's, I've looked at it a lot like, um, 
the diabetes and, you know, because of the spinal cord injury, I have a lot of nerve damage. Um, and I have autonomic issues, you know, being able to regulate temperature and blood pressure. And I get this thing that's called autonomic dysreflexia every once in a while, whenever my body's like, yo, something's wrong, but I can't directly tell you what's wrong. So we're just going to freak your body out. We'll shut Um, down for a second and reboot. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah. Yep. Kate, I, I, I'm drawn to ask you, did you sue the doctor? I did not. No. Did you think about it? It was, no, it was for me, it was just one of those things that I was like, I just, I guess I just the whole time was like, all right, you know, blood clot or spinal stroke. But at the same time, I think I was in that moment, um, in the immediates of it happening, I was very like, all right, you know, okay, it's like a broken leg, you know, we'll get back to life here pretty soon. All will be fine. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's what in the beginning days, you know, weirdly, it helped me a lot. That feeling that you could get back to, to normal. To normalcy. Yeah. When, when you when you come to grips with the idea that you're not going to, is it after you work through other stuff and then you can kind of then think about the next step? Is it more about that than does that make sense? Yeah, I'm asking yeah. the question wrong. Like, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. I think for me, a big, big part of it was just, you know, getting involved getting involved with adaptive sports, adaptive sports has been a huge part of my um, recovery as far as, you know, the mental side of things Um, and just getting like being okay with, all right, this is, this is my situation. You know, life still can be really, 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 really uplifting. And there's a lot that I still can do with my life. Um, And so yeah, for me, it was just the community that I was surrounded with helped me okay. tremendously. Wow, that's it's amazing. So uh, I'll just ask you, when you're in your situation, how what's the first thing you notice is up? But it must have been crazy being diagnosed with type 1, right? Like, what did you notice first? Oh, okay. So I, I'm kind of one of the similar stories of, you know, I go on a vacation and then hits the fan. (laughs) So, um, I have had been working at Amazon for, oh gosh, a little over a year at that point. Okay. Um, I started right at the beginning of the pandemic, so maybe a little longer. Oh gosh, time flies by too fast. <laughs> Anyways, so I was working at Amazon. Our building was brand new. It had literally opened, like the pandemic happened, our building opened. So we're like figuring out a pandemic on top of opening a brand new um, fulfillment center. And so because of that, I was working a crap ton of hours, like easily. I would say averaging 60 to 70 hours a week okay. easily okay. Um, on the minimum. And so, and I had just kind of redirected myself because of COVID, you know, sports had really stopped. Um, and so like, that was just 
that was my new temporary path of life right there in that moment was, was working at Amazon. Um, and you know, at first I was, it was kind of another like little leap that turned over for me. It was the first job that I had where I felt like I wasn't being limited because of my disability. Mm -hmm. What, Um, what, What were you doing there or what are you doing there if you're still there? I'm actually not still there. Okay. I'm thankfully out of there. <laughs> oh my God. Um, the stories about Amazon are true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was for us because in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, when a building first opens, they're going to be understaffed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're understaffed. We're having to maintain all the COVID practices of, masks, social distancing, COVID testing, you know, all that. Um, But we're also a brand new building that was opening right before um, Prime Day. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, So I was working a crap ton of hours there. I was doing everything from what they call um, reventing, which is essentially grabbing these items from this tray and then you have to put it into the correct spot of the shelf and the shelf has like a hundred 200 different little slots that it can go to um so i was doing that at first then from there they moved me to what is called um smart pack which is essentially this machine that packs these items for you you have to stick the items into the machine it shoots down and packs it and then I was there for a very long time because they really liked my rates. Um, and, but with that, I will say like, it was, I had explained to you, you know, it was the first job where I had, that I had where I really didn't feel like I was being limited mm-hmm. because of my dim- disability. Right. Um, and so like I was picking up overtime, like I was staying, um, late you know i was i was working all the time um and then at a point it kind of got to where i was like wow i am like really tired like it we got to the point where mandatory extra time was being called Mm -hmm. um because it kind of turned over into covid where like things were opening back up and then all of a sudden people aren't wanting to work in physical buildings anymore Because they've been working from home all the time. Yeah. And so then our building and still to this day started experiencing like really bad employment shortages, causing them to have to call MET week in and week out, like all the time. And so, you know, then we're working a lot of MET, uh, which is mandatory extra time. Um, And you know, it was another one of those things. All right. You know, it, it sucks, but I'm just going to do it. Um, and then fast forward kind of closer to um, when I took my first vacation from there. Um, it was I was going to a camp actually specifically for adults with spinal cord injuries. Um, and it was in Indiana and I actually drove down there. Leading up to that camp, I I had been extra tired, but I just dismissed it as burnout. 
you know, like burnout from working a crap ton of hours every single week for, you know, over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mind you, that job is a very physical job. Like on average, I was doing around 30,000 pushes a day in my wheelchair. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, it was a physically taxing job. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just dismissed, you know, all my tiredness and lack of motivation outside of work just because of, you know, I'm tired, I'm burnt out. Right. So I was like really looking forward to this vacation, you know, a step away from work, you know, get back into doing things that, you know, are for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drive down to the camp. Uh, the first few days of the camp, you know, everything's going going pretty okay. Um, I had actually started experiencing um, about about a constipation, um, like right before leaving for that camp. Still was having issues throughout the camp. And then my body decided that at the top of this really tall rock climbing wall, outdoor rock climbing wall, that it had had enough. Um, and I ended up collapsing. So they get me down. I come back to, um, you know, they're cooling me down. It was hot outside. So we kind of just dismissed it as like, oh, she overheated. Um, they did call the ambulance just because, um, the doctors that were there at the camp were like, ah, you know, she's not, not had a bowel movement in over a week. She collapsed at the top of this rock climbing wall. Something might be, something's clearly up. And so they sent me to the hospital via ambulance, get me to the hospital at the hospital, that hospital, they strictly just dismissed it as like, oh, yep, you're constipated. Um, take milk of magnesia, you know, up your stool softeners and all that. Give me a bag of fluids. Didn't do any blood work or anything Mm -hmm. in the hospital and discharge me. So go back to the camp. I still feel like crap. It's, we had one more day of that camp and then I, um, and we all pack up and we all head home. On my drive home, I something in me clicked where I was like, no, I really, really do not feel good. Like something is not right. Mm-hmm. And so I I call my primary care office and I explained to them what had been going on and you know all the symptoms I had been having. Um and I had explained to him, like, hey, you know, I'm I've been at this camp. I've really not been feeling a lot. I've been extra tired. I've had a lot of constipation. Um, and he kind of asked me a couple of questions like, Oh, you know, how's your fluid intake been, you know, thinking I might be dehydrated from just being outside and stuff. And right. I was like, Nope, I've been drinking freaking gallons of water. Like <laughs> we're doing just fine there. <laughs> and, um, then just within the conversation, something within him was like, Hey, I like you need to get to the hospital as soon as you get back here um, in Michigan. I, I think you're in diabetic ketoacidosis. And wow. I was like, over the phone, over the phone. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, what the, Yeah. you know, like I was just sent via ambulance to a hospital and you're telling me over the phone that like, mm-hmm. whoa, buddy, you got 
you got real problems. That's well done. People must be embarrassed for two reasons about this story while they're listening to it right now. First of all, if you have diabetes and uh, you're not as active as you want to be, Kate was diagnosed with type 1 paralyzed rock climbing, so really <laughs> try harder. And the, and the other one is the doctor who was able to look past all of your normal problems and just look at the symptoms and say, okay, if Kate was any other person, what would I think this sounded like? That's really yeah. astonishing. Yeah, he he has been like my favorite provider I have ever had. Well, yeah. As far as as far as just general care. Mm -hmm. Like the things he has noticed about me, even despite my already effed up body, like mm. has been I'm like, holy crap. No, that's he well is done. Truly, no, he is truly an amazing, amazing doctor. Yeah. Um, and so I I I'm kinda of, it's another one of those like deer in a headlight moment, and I'm just driving down the road. I actually ended up pulling off to a scream. Um a truck stop. Okay. And like I did I, I sat there for a minute, like, holy shit, what the hell is happening? Now now, mind you, at this time, I like when he said diabetic ketoacidosis, I know I knew what it was mm -hmm. um, just because my family, my dad, he was a cardiac ICU nurse. My mom, she works in healthcare. like healthcare is in our our family. Yeah. So. So I'm sitting in that truck stop and like I didn't even get out of my car like I didn't I didn't do a walk around or anything. I'm just kind of sitting there like, holy what the hell is happening? Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I didn't even, I didn't even call my mom or anything in that moment. I was just so shell shocked at the moment. I was like, wow, you know, like what's next? Is it, yeah, is, it, it was, is it just a generalized ringing in your head or are you doing the math about your current situation and adding diabetes to it? That. Yeah. That right there, my current situation and adding diabetes to it. Okay. I, I very quickly went to the dark side of diabetes and I was like, like I, this, this can't, cannot be happening. I, you know, I've already got nerve damage. I already have wound healing issues because of my nerve, nerve damage. Mm -hmm. This is the last thing I need, right. you know? And so I. I kind of got myself a little regathered, drove the rest of the, the way home, um, got to the hospital there. And I, he, my primary said like, okay, when you get here, just let them know while you're here, I'm going to let them know you're coming. La -di -da -di -da. So I did, mm -hmm. they immediately got me, um, like a bed admitted surprisingly, mind you, this is in the middle of another wave of COVID. Um, and so they got me in and they do the, the basic, you know, check your blood pressure, all that. Um, my blood pressure was really high. I, I think I'll, I want to say a lot of that just was due to me being like stressed in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they do that. Then they do blood work. Um, the one nurse, she did a finger prick. She was like, um yeah your blood sugar is really high uh this is not good and like it's one of those moments where you're like 
when a nurse is worried in a hospital, you know, it's bad. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just did a deep swallow. And then I asked her, I was like, okay, what is it? Um, and she was like, it's in the eight hundreds. Um, and I was like, don't know what that means, but that sounds high. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I knew what it mean. Oh, you I knew, knew that. Oh, no kidding. Oh yeah. No, I knew, I knew what all this meant. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, I just drove six hours home with my blood sugar over 800. Yeah. That probably wasn't great either. Um, yeah. Well, okay, Kate, yeah. so they get obviously they get your blood sugar down and they get you set up, but I want to go over just contextually the operation you have of your hands before I ask you about how you you handle your diabetes. So, how are your fine motor skills? Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um they're not so hot. So your arms no. are really the are are the are the best operating part of the system between your shoulder and your fingers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, she tells me that blood sugar, but in, in this whole situation, they're looking at me as an incompetent patient, as far as being able to take care of myself. They're not really like treating me like I'm someone who takes care of myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're kind of just doing everything without, out telling me and I don't know why in the moment I really was not like hey you know what's going on what are you doing what's this what's that like why are we doing this I just I was really in shell shock in that moment um so I then I stayed in the hospital I think it was about five days yeah I was in the hospital about five days because I also had a, a bowel obstruction um, amongst all that. Um, and so, you know, long story short, they get me taken care of and they had, I don't, I don't even think it was a, an endocrinologist. I think it was just their diabetes educator they had in the hospital, you know, pretty much just came and gave me a, a little pamphlet of like, all right, this is, this is your short acting and this is your long acting insulin. And, you know, this is how you're going to, administer it and i'm like what now <laughs> yeah exactly like <laughs> like uh what <laughs> and so i'm i'm kind of still just this whole time i just feel like a deer in headlights yeah sure you know i'm i uh i did not get i never felt like i did not leave that hospital feeling like all right okay you know we got this we're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. Like I felt like I'm holding these two things, two little grenades that could possibly kill me. <laughs> I'm probably going to mess this up at some point and that's that. And we're done. Yeah. yeah. So, so I then, um, uh, the one thing they had directed me to do is like, Oh, you know, you need to call your primary care office to do a, a follow-up admission appointment. I called them. They had been expecting me to call and she was like, Oh, yep. Um, can you come in? It was, it was literally two days later, which that also blew my mind because mm -hmm. all my other appointments I had tried to schedule since COVID was like, Oh yeah, you're not either not going to be able to see, be seen at this time or you're waiting six, seven months. Mm. So I was, I was very surprised. Um, 
So he gets me in and then he then actually had, um, within that appointment, gotten a hold of one of the spectrum endocrinologists. They actually immediately set me up um, with the Dexcom G6 and the T-Slim X2. And it was solely because of my, because of being a quadriplegic. Yeah, they pushed it. And okay. yeah, they pushed it. They really pushed it. And so that was really helpful. But at the same time, I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's one part of the hiccup solved. You know, I'm not having to continue to figure out how the hell to give myself these injections, you know, with not working hands. And so we got that set up. Um, I did, did the, it was actually in the doctor's office, you know, kind of via the telemedicine, the training for it. They got me set up with the basal and control IQ. Um, and so, you know, they get me set up and with the person who was training me, she gave me a, a bit more information as far as like carb ratios and your basal rates and, you know, as basic of a good understanding as you can get, mm -hmm. except still not, you know, exactly what you need. So I'm like, okay, a little bit more information. That's nice. All right. Um, so now, now I have the insulin pump and the Dexcom G6. And that was like, that was the beginning of me really getting to see, um, you know, what exactly is happening with my blood sugar. Because mind you, throughout this whole thing, you know, since they had got my blood sugar down, you know, I'm kind of back to a point where I'm like, all right, you know, I feel okay, feeling better, you know, right? Everything's everything's okay. But then, once I got the Dexcom, it was like I started to realize, like, oh, low blood sugars, oh, high blood sugars, but I wasn't getting any like autonomic response You're, as far as my yeah. low blood sugars or my high blood sugars. Yeah. I have so many questions. So first of all, can you, you can apply your Dexcom and your pump on your own? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It takes and, a little longer and every once in a while there's a mess up, but, but you can get it done. And so you can fill, I can get it you done. can fill the, yeah. the pump. Uh, is it T-Slim use cartridges or do you? Cartridges. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. So that is something that's doable. What about your um, absorption? Like, do you have to bolus the same as other people or do you not need to pre-bolus? Do you need to pre-bolus more? Um, when you're low, does uh, juice and things like that hit you the same way? Those questions. So, yeah. So when I, when I first got the Dexcom, that was when I really, you know, started noticing me like was starting to be able to like interpret how insulin was affecting me mm -hmm. um because up until that point you know i was doing i was doing figma pricks but it was like all right i see this number but you know what exactly is happening with it mm -hmm. um so one of the first first moments that i had where i was like because the one thing they did tell me in the hospital is like, you need to like, whatever you do, you have to avoid really low blood sugars. Low blood sugar is bad, bad, like really dangerous. And I was like, okay. So the first time I got a low with my Dexcom, it was actually happened to be, I was on my hand cycle at the time. I 
still didn't understand what the alarms, different alarms meant. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I was, I guess, a little stupid and ignorant in the moment and really didn't take the time to be like, oh, this alarm means that and that alarm means that. Yeah. It was just, I was trying to still maintain, you know, my regular life back home. And so I was on my hand cycle. I had about 20 minutes of my workout left and then I hear the alarm. And I'm like, oh, I've got 20 minutes left. I feel just fine. Like I'm going to keep going, you know? So I finished the workout. Then I look at my Dexcom and it says, it just says low. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's bad. So I, you know, get into my, my, out of my bike and into my chair as quickly as I can, you know, sprint up my ramp, get to my manual glucometer. And it, it tells me I'm 23. And I'm like, oh, that's really not good. Like I could tell I was, you know, I had the anxiety running through me, but at the same time I was questioning what like how why am i not feeling you know deathly sick right now mm -hmm. like what the heck is going on um and so you know i did i did at that point know to like um i didn't just shove a bunch of food in in me it was because i was very Immediately into the diagnosis, I was very scared of high blood sugars. Okay. I think in the beginning days, I was more scared of high blood sugars than I was of low blood sugars, just because of that aspect of me not feeling my lows. Yeah. So I did take it really slowly as far as like consuming carbs. Um, in that moment, you know, it was kind of like, all right, I, I ate a few at the time I ate a few um, crackers, waited about 10 minutes did a check ate a few more crackers until it came back up but then it was it was that moment where i was like all right so like we i gotta figure this out like this is not good but at the same time what is going on as far as like me not feeling and you know yeah why are you not having any of the symptoms like were you um sweating having trouble Nothing. thinking so Nothing. I, I i don't sweat due to my spinal cord injury oh okay yeah so um but you didn't have a seizure you didn't feel dizzy nothing, nothing literally at all. nothing that's crazy yeah so yeah it was that moment where i was like um because i had had the people in the hospital tell me my primary care tell me like i'd had multiple people tell me like Low blood sugar is really, really dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, so like that happened and I was like, what the heck? Finally, like, you've got a superpower, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you got one, like a real one. So yeah. when you get low now, still nothing? Still nothing. Yeah. Jeez. Except for, I'll tell you in a little bit. But um, so I... I had had that low and that was, that was really the turning point of me. Like, all right, we've, we've really got to do some digging as far as figuring this out. And so that was when I started getting on the internet because he had referred me, my primary had referred me to an endocrinologist to actually be able to get into an endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was four and a half months out from, from me being able to see them. No I've, problem. That's yeah. fine. I'll just wait four months. What? That's not well done at all. We need your GP back. That guy knows what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
so in that moment, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, we got to, got to figure this out. I, I have thankfully, you know, I have been a big podcast person as far as for me, it actually first started with listening to podcasts for, um, like fitness and nutrition, Mm -hmm. you know, just dialing in my nutrition to build muscle because I was like, all right, I've got all these atrophying muscles. Like I got to be able to keep some, some sort of muscle on and develop the muscles that do still work. Um, so it started with, that's really what started me in the podcast realm. And so then I, um, searched type one diabetes, um, actually it was first within Google and I found a lot. Um, I found, I found your podcast. I found mastering diabetes. I found, um, the FTF warrior. Like I looked at all of them. Mm-hmm. I definitely did not just, just look at one route and decide, all right, this is how you take care of diabetes. Like I really took it all in. I yeah. bought a crap ton of books as far as, um, you know, diabetes. Like I just, I wanted to be able to figure out every aspect of it. Cause I knew, like I knew off the bat, you know, insulin, the hormone. So like, everything under the sun is going to affect that. Um, and so a lot of it was just figuring out, um, for me, you know, based upon how I'm living now, you know, what do, what do I got to do to be able to get this part, part of me better managed? Right, right. Um, and your, actually your podcast was definitely a huge part of that huge, huge part of that. Um, so, you know, I started figuring it out more. I, to this day, I'm still living in like, I just do not understand, you know, why my body has no autonomic cues as far as lower high blood sugar. Yeah. Well, Kate, um, but the thing is, is that it, and I'm sure you know this, you figured it out already, but just because you don't have the cues doesn't mean that the bad thing at the end of the line is not going to happen to you. Like you, yeah, there is a exactly. low blood sugar low enough where you're just going to shut off. You're just not, you're just not going to have any of the lead up to it with the seizures and, you know, that kind of stuff. You're just going to, I'm so sorry to say this, like, you're just going to die if your blood sugar gets too low. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, it's. Yeah. And so that was. How do you handle that? (laughs) It's been scary. Yeah. Like, it's definitely, definitely brought on a lot of, a lot of stress on, on my part. Mm -hmm. Um, just because. It's brought on a lot of stress, but I will say, and it's actually more so been in the recent days because of something I had happen recently. What happened? Um, well, leading up until then, you know, I had actually started to get really good at managing like my time and range and stuff and my standard deviation have been doing really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the instance that I had recently, so I just moved to Colorado. It's almost been a month now. God, time's flying by. (laughs) Mm. Um, So I just moved to Colorado. And I will tell you, the one thing I for sure took for granted back in Michigan was I knew where I was going because I'd lived in the same house for over 20 years. Right. From the day I was adopted up until I moved to Colorado, I lived in the same house. Like I knew everywhere I was going. Like there really, there was not getting lost for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Now here in Colorado, all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, 
I'm a cow in the middle of the field, like, whoa, where, where are we? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so the, oh gosh, when was it? Last Saturday? Um, not the Saturday that we just had, but. Um, Over a week ago. The 24th. Yeah. Yeah. I, so all of my long rides are typically on Saturdays because Sunday is a rest day where I, you know, don't do any exercising. Mm -hmm. So I've always planned my long rides on Saturdays just because of it being, um, a rest day on Sunday. So I had been sent this route from another hand cyclist that lived here a few years ago. And I was like, cool, sweet. It's a nice, really really easy loop. It happens to actually be a loop that doesn't have a lot of climbing because up until this route, I had been doing a crap ton of climbing. You wow. know? Yeah. So um, it happened to be, I had to drive to the route. Um, excuse me. I had to drive to the route and then it was actually kind of out in the country, like really out in the middle of nowhere in this little city called Fountain. So I get my bike out, you know, all is going well. I get to about the 40 mile mark and the, my bike computer tells me to turn onto this road book drive. And I look over and it's a dirt road. Mind you, the weekend before the same thing happened where it wanted me to go on a dirt road. I went on the dirt road, but then ended up with a flat tire. So this time when it wanted me to turn on to book drive, that was a dirt road. I was like, yeah, no, that is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, at first I did actually turn on to the dirt, dirt road, but pretty immediately, like probably 10 seconds. And I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. Cause it was a very loose, loose, um, dirt road. Like it was a sandbox dirt road. And so get back onto the pavement. I then stop, look on my bike computer to see if maybe there's a road a little further up that I can turn on to. Cause mind you, I was like 10 miles from being back to my, my van. So mm. I was like pretty close to being done. I'm not seeing anything. So I start backtracking the way I had come and every road it's wanted me to turn on to was a dirt road. So up until this point, you know, I was doing really good with fuel and it happened to be right before that road that I turned on to that, that I had to turn on to that the book drive that was dirt. Right. I had taken my last pit stop to get in fluids and get in um, my gels that like carb gels that I had. Yeah. It happened to be right in now at an alpaca farm. So like I'm having the time of my life. I'm out in the middle of nowhere hanging out with alpacas, mm. which happened to be my one of my mom's favorite animals. So like I'm smiling from ear to ear, taking in some videos from my mom. Um then pack things up and go to go to book driving and it's like, oh shoot, here we are again. Like <laughs> lost again. Good job, Katie. So I start backtracking every road. It's wanting me to turn on to is a dirt road. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm doing fine. So I backtracked the whole way. I'm, I'm at this point, probably about 
like 53 or 54 miles in. And then I'm kind of like all of a sudden where I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm not feeling so hot. Like I'm tired. So I take, I take another stop. This was about, about seven miles from my van. Okay. I take another stop, drink the rest of the fluids I had, which at that point I had probably gone through about a liter and a half of fluids. Okay. Took the one last gel I had. I had gone through three gels. Each of those gels have, uh, what is it? I think it's like 22 carbs or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Had had three gels, and I had had one of these bars called a Grab the Gold Bar, which is just a really densely filled, calorie-dense bar. It's like almost 300 calories just for the bar. Um, so, like, really, in reality, I should have been fine. Um, and I had noticed my Dexcom alarm went off. It said I was 55. And I was like, oh, and it was in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm low. But at the same time, kind of questioned like, wow, I really don't feel good. What is like, this is weird. Took my last gel because I said I was 55. Took a big drink of um, the fluids I had, which also had carbs in, like it was a carb mix. Right, right. Um, So I had had a lot of carbs on board. And I keep going, get another couple miles. And I'm like, I really don't feel good. And like, what I had noticed of the like, no, I'm in trouble was I was going down a hill. And you know how when you start biking down a hill, like it gets easier to pedal. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't happening for me. And I was like, no, something's up. So I stop. I do a manual check and it says I'm 19. Okay. Ooh. And I'm like, I'm like, shoot, I'm, I'm really in trouble. And like at this moment, you know. I will say I was definitely a bit, bit foggy and like trying to figure out like, all right, what do I do in this moment? I, for some reason thought of everyone that I knew in Colorado Springs and was like, well, they're no help. I'm 30 (laughs) miles away from Colorado Springs. Do you think to call 911? Just, just hold on. Kate's like, hold on, let it happen. (laughs) In this moment, while I'm like trying to think of what to do at the same time, I, my body was just like so tired and so out of it. So like, I did know to like, every time a big truck went by, I was trying to get my hand up to like, try to wave them down because I was like, I have this huge ass bike, not going to fit in a little tiny sedan to help me. So like, I was trying to get help. Um, wasn't getting help, but then it happened to be like, I felt my eyes getting really heavy in the moment. And I was like, no, no, I really need help. I really need help. And then it happened to be something happening. I happened to have enough vision in me that I saw straight ahead. Like I'm talking, you pull in, you'll be there within 20 seconds of walking. It happened to be, I was literally right by a fire department, the Hanover fire department. And I was like, immediately I was like, Oh, they're my help. So I pull in and they had this sidewalk. Like, I'm so thankful for how their sidewalks was constructed. It wasn't a 90 degree turn to get up to the building. It was an angle. Oh, I see. And and then it came straight. So I was actually able to get right up to it with my bike. And I knock on the door and ask the, the lady for help. And so then she gets me taken care of as far as like getting me more food. Um, 
and fluids. Like she answered the door. Her name was Joe. And I was like, hi, yeah, I got I got really lost and ended up having to backtrack my route, which added a lot of extra mileage. And I need I like I really need I need I need fluids and food. And that's that's what came out of my mouth. And she saw my pump on my waist and she was like, oh, do you need any medical attention? I was like, my blood sugar's low. I, ju- I just need food. Like, that's all I was thinking about was like, mm-hmm. I need food. Um, So she got me the food, uh, got me, you know, got me into their truck, my bike into their truck, you know, back to my van. I just kept consuming food for probably another couple hours. Got back to um, Colorado Springs, and kind of in that moment, I was like, "Wow, that was that was really not good. That was um, it was it was a huge eye opener for me. Like, yeah, that was that was a little too close for comfort. Like, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people listening right now who wouldn't have gone on that bike ride who aren't quadriplegic, so that, who have diabetes. Have been like, that sounds like a lot of work. I probably wouldn't have done that, and you. <laughs> So is it partly, I mean, you, you said ignorance earlier, just because you were new to it, you don't really know. But also, I'm assuming because you've never had the feeling of being low, you haven't had that. That fear. Yeah, kind of come to Jesus moment where you were like, okay, this is the thing I have to worry about. And so yeah. you could be low, 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 all the way to 19, where you really yeah. were. Yeah, you were you were on death's door. That's amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing is I really think I was lower than that because like I pulling into that fire department, like pulled into the fire department, they got me taken care of. And I will tell you, like, it stressed me that out mm-hmm. as far as like being scared to get back on the bike and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I might, have, I might think, <laughs> Absolutely. but I don't know if it's, just the like stubborn part of me I was like you know all right you know you love love hand cycling you're not gonna let this stop you so for some reason the next day for my ride I had an easy recovery ride I went back out there like because I just had so many questions like I needed to see it all again as far as where I was what you know what was all going through so when I had seen the fire department, I thought it was Hanover Fire Department Station 325. And the only thing I had seen was their main building, like where their little kitchenette and stuff is. I didn't see any of the garages or anything. Mm-hmm. This place was flipping huge. But me in that moment, I it just seemed like one tiny little building. <laughs> where the help was you're lucky that was that you went, yeah you're lucky you went to the right door even <laughs> there was also is it a paid fire department or a volunteer department because i I'm, says, I'm wondering if you're lucky that there was even anybody there well so that was the other thing is she told me she was like you got really fortunate you came in just the right time because i was about to head out for the day and i was like don't tell me that I was 19. Yeah, no, I'm saying I looked online and I think it's possible that's a volunteer place. So there that that means there's probably not people there in the middle of the day. 
They probably yeah, so just come was, when there's a fire. She was there doing something. Yeah, you really did get lucky. Well, I mean, yeah, a number of different was, ways. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, a, I got very lucky. All right, Kate, so what, what are we doing now? Like, are people now aware of where you are when you're riding and things like that? Do you have backups in place? <laughs> so, yeah. So the next day I went back, you know, I, I was like a holy sh**. You were really in a dangerous mm. situation just because going back in a fully conscious state, like, it's com- looked, everything looked completely different. There was four huge stalls for the trucks. Yeah, there right. was two main doors. And I just happened to choose the right door, you yeah, know? That's incredible. Was, that's really incredible. I just, I looked online. It's a big building. And, yeah. and it's long and expansive. It's not like two stories, right? It's one, like, kind of spread out yes. level. Yeah. That's really. Yep. Yeah, you got lucky. Well, okay. Hold on a second. I'm we I, I I'm so sorry to say this, but like I'm up on another appointment in a little bit, so I have to I have to wrap up. But um, let me start by asking you if there's anything we didn't talk about that you really wanted to get to. No, not really. We got Just through. The, okay. Yeah. Yep. It's an astonishing it was, story. I yeah. Mean, it just it it really is. It's it's crazy that your life is that that it's that big and and I'm wondering if I mean that bike's got to feel like freedom to you right yeah it's exactly it yeah that's the first race I did in hand cycling was like it was the first moment that I had where I felt just truly unstoppable Mm -hmm. and you know like the limits are endless better than driving a car even Yeah, I think so, because, you know, for me, it was like I'm exerting physical energy and just get to feel super strong in that moment. Um, And yeah, that was I think that was just my true love for for hand cycling was, you know, a big reason why I went back out to that that fire station the next day. Mm -hmm. But like that moment was. It was a big eye opener as far as like, all right, you know, we got to figure figure out more better safety protocols. So I did buy this like little uh, satellite GPS thing that I can have pings sent my lo- um, send my location mm-hmm. every so often. Um, so I got that and then also have some people show me routes that are like actually safe. So I'm not having to backtrack. It's, and it's so interesting because at the core of all this, Kate, you're still 24. Like you have the yeah. atti- you have the attitude of a twenty four year old single girl. Like you're like, oh, I'm gonna go for a ride now, <laughs> and <laughs> just not thinking about. Um, I, I guess I don't know. It's just like if you put me, I'm I'm a parent, right, and I'm older, and so if you said to me, I'm gonna go for a bike ride, my brain immediately comes up with fifteen reasons why you shouldn't or things that we have to do before you do it. But you don't feel that way. You feel like I'm gonna go for a ride now. I mean that you went out the next day it's that's astonishing like that's that would that would have stopped most people most people would have been like no i'm good i'm not gonna ride my bike for a while till i figure out something but you just so so the control iq was taking your basil away but it wasn't helping right well so actually i've actually not used the control iq in quite a while just because i've not in normal circumstances i've not had as good of control as i like okay um so I had set a temp rate for that ride, ride okay? Mm-hmm. But 
because I had to backtrack my ride and I was so focused on trying to figure out how to get back without having to completely backtrack, I forgot about my temporary expiring. It's the one thing I truly hate about tandem is if you set a temporary, it does not notify you when that temporary expires. It, doesn't, it just expires. It just ends. It doesn't beep and say, it hey, just ends. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's what happened is my temporary, I had set it to 25% of what my normal basal is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went back to my, my normal basal. And so I'm getting a crap ton more insulin while I'm out here exerting energy. And mind you, it was like 86, 87 Hot. degrees in dry Colorado. Hey, makes, so, me, makes me wonder what, how much do you weigh? 110 pounds. And what is your basal rate? My basal rate right now for like just strolling about every day, not doing exercise is about 1.7. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so part of that's probably because you have your digestion slow. I imagine food stays in you longer, that kind of stuff. So you're getting impacts along the way from that. Cause 1.7 for your weight. I mean, listen, Yeah. you're the first quad. Can I just say quad? I don't know what to say. Is quad, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. You're the first quad that I've ever spoken to. So I don't have any context for how insulin might work. And you, do you need to pre-bullish your meals? Yep. You do. About yeah. how long? Me, I do it about 20 minutes. Like okay. 20 minutes is the minimum usually. What's your A1C? My A1C, my last A1C was 5.1. And what range do you look for? Where do you try to keep your blood sugar? In a happy place, I say between eighty and and one fifty. Okay, what do you um, call what do you call a spike after a meal? Like where do you go? Oh, I really messed this up. I start looking at it for me at about one thirty. Um, I start looking at it at about one thirty, and mm-hmm. if it's like either creeping up or staying up there, I'm like, okay, you know, let's get this back down. Um, and then. Like as far as my homeostasis point, it's definitely, you know, the, the high 90s, low 100s okay. for me. Okay. Um, how often do you get low under 70? Um, not that often, really. So my last, looking at Dexcom Clarity, like my, my time and range has actually been the last seven days has been 89%, um, which I'm, I'm really happy, happy with 2% low, 4% high, 1% very high. It's, and so I, I, I have liked keeping that tighter range just because for me, I like, I'm thinking in the long term. you know, I've already got these impacts that are affecting me. And so I've got to do my best to, to keep on top of it. Yeah. What, what's your diet like? What do you eat in the course of a week? Um, so I, I would say I stick definitely just naturally stick lower carb. Mm -hmm. Um, but recently we've been trying to figure out like trying to really figure out my carb ratios and. I'm trying to figure out the pre-boluses for certain types of carbs just because with how physically demanding cycling is, you need carbs. Mm-hmm. Like, so we've recently been trying to figure that out. Um, and it's definitely had some, some great successes. And then there's moments where it's like, 
did I even give myself insulin? What the hell? Wow. What What's your carb ratio for meals? Uh, so I actually just recently adjusted right now. It's about a one to eight. Hmm. It's interesting yeah. because, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. Your basil's more than I expected for your weight. But, yeah. but your carb ratios, well, it's heavy, but it's not crazy. Um, yeah, it's <clears throat> now I will say, so like the basal rate, that is as far as when I'm like just pushing around in my wheelchair, mm -hmm. it's kind of expected just because of how few calories we burn sitting in a wheelchair. Sure. Like it's so much less, you know, walking around and doing day to day, we're burning a lot more and so that's the only thing i can think of just me naturally having really low blood pressure because of my injury i'm just not burning a lot at all yeah hey is there any um is there any high side to this do you not get your period anymore is there anything good that comes from this at all like unfortunately no that still happens <laughs> unbelievable yep. Kate. that's a kick in the ass right there i'll tell you yeah you know <laughs> so yep so could if you got pregnant, it would it would kill you, right? It would not kill me. No. Um, but it's definitely a very high risk pregnancy oh, sure. just due to the the um, aspects of autonomic dysreflexia, mm -hmm. um, and being in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, definitely I, very. There, I, people have done it. I might people, not have met killed like injuries have done it. I might, I didn't know that I might not have met killed literally. I just meant like it would kick your ass. Like, so yeah, yeah. More than maybe a usual. Do you yeah. think about that? Do you have any thoughts about that at all? I, I personally have decided, you know, I am a hundred percent okay with adopting. Like I'm so thankful. I was, I was adopted, mm -hmm. especially with just everything going on in ukraine now i was gonna say we didn't talk about that but you're having your own personal war while the country you came from is in a war and that's even yeah insane yeah. yeah and so yeah just there's been many many people i've met that have been adopted and thinking about myself being adopted i'm like you know i would love to be able to provide a second chance for an innocent child who didn't ask for that situation you think you could do it you think you could raise a baby or would you yeah. adopt a little older Oh, I haven't thought got thought about that yet. It's uh, you're too young, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> you're too young. Absolutely, still figuring out, <laughs> figuring I, out how to I, function. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm really thrilled that you shared this with me. I, I don't know if I did a good job of talking through it with you or not, but I feel like I learned a lot. So we must have done okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, your life is is incredibly different from anybody I've ever spoken to. Yeah, it's no, it's definitely been a, a roller coaster of adventures, that's for sure. But what do you do for fun? Beset forget the um, riding and all that stuff. Like I figure that's part of your probably part of your mental health routine, the riding and everything. But like just like do the I guess my question is do the days get long or do you have them filled with things when you're just at home? So this is actually since moving to Colorado, this has been the first time where I've actually had like free time okay. to just do things. Um, because up until Colorado, I was working a crap ton of hours, going to school full time and um, cycling. Yeah. So like my plate was jam packed 
as far as schedule. Right. So since moving to Colorado, it's been filled with like just going to check out new places, finding hiking paths. There's this one called Hunt Falls that I've done a few times now. And also just finding new areas to cycle in, hoping to God I don't get lost. <laughs> um, how about, so there's two things I wanted to ask you, one, or one thing I want to ask you, one thing I want to tell you. Do you. Did you have friends in Colorado when you moved? Like, were you moving to a place you knew people? Um, I, I know a couple of people, but I've only recently met them since the um, since going to the World Cup and World Championships. What, what made you move to there? There... Um, I was offered a residency program here at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. Wow! Wow! Yeah, so you, no, it's. Are you going to really try cool. to? Are Are you trying to compete in the Paralympics? I am keeping my doors open as wide as I can, as far as opportunities with whatever I do. Mm-hmm. I would love to believe that I can get to to that point. I actually. Um, took first place in all four races I did between the world cup and world championships. Um, and so, yeah, no, the world cup and world championships was a really good, really big eye opener to me as far as like where you were. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. Just where I was and like how far I've come no, with myself and how far I still have yet that I can go. Well, good luck. And the other thing I want to tell you is that people report all the time that higher elevations can lead to lower blood sugars. So I just wanted to tell you that. Yeah, it's no, actually it's weird. So I've had a little bit of the opposite. I, of course, my rates, my rates have gone up, um, as far as insulin needs since being here. Hmm. Yeah. it's, It's been really interesting. And I don't know, I think I'm hoping a lot of it is just due to stress just because I'm like in a completely new area and don't know where, where I'm going. Yeah. Well, it could be right. You could just be stressed out. I noticed that when my daughter moved to school that she had different needs, uh, while things were going on. So yeah, I mean, maybe you'll find, uh, a settling in point after you've been there for a while. Um, yeah. Okay. Kate, my last question, and I'll let you go. I've kept you over time uh, significantly. I'm sorry. Um, I I normally ask this person this question of people, and I always think I know what they're going to say. You're the first person I thought not to ask it to because it seemed obvious to me, but maybe it's not. So let me just ask. I give you a magic wand. You walk again or get rid of diabetes? Oh goodness! You know it's weird. You know I I think I'd honestly say like neither. You know. Wow. I. Both of these really shit situations have brought so much opportunity and just like growth in my life. Mm. Um, like in a weird way, I'm so thankful that they've happened to me. I, I think it's, it sounds shit, like it takes, it's taken me getting knocked on my ass to really, like really get a full understanding of like, the consequences of our failed efforts and just, you know, the work that, that we can put in the opportunities I have, the strength that I have, um, all of that. It seems to me that the removal of extraneous distractions from your life 
has allowed you to focus on what actually matters to you and that your physical state is not as important to reaching those things as maybe other people would expect. Is that fair? That is, yeah. You hit the nail on the head with that 100%. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing this all with me. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This was wonderful. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I record almost every day. So when you and I began talking, I didn't know you were you. Which oh, really? Is, which, is, <laughs> which is why when I, I mean, I obviously know I'm going to interview you. I know that. I know that coming up on my schedule, there's a, a young girl that sent me a really cool note and popped up on my uh, Facebook page who was quadriplegic in a chair and was going to come on the show. But as I came in here and sat down today, I didn't know that you were that person. And so when I said initially that your voice sounds very mature, like you've been through some sh- I did not know I was talking to you at that moment. <laughs> I've gotten that from a lot of people. I, I seem a lot more mature than my age. And I definitely attributed that to the, the injury. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be seeing you on TikTok shaking your boobs is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no. You, you've, uh, you've transcended past that part of life. It seems like, <laughs> do you think if none of this happened to you, do you think you'd be dancing on TikTok? Do you think you'd be doing I, what, like, do you know what I mean? Do you, or you didn't, you didn't sound like that kind of person to begin with, but no, I really don't. Yeah. I, I very quickly, um, you know, got myself into employment and like figuring out my path of life, yeah. um, which was construction management and doing that, the working for the directional drilling company. Right. Yeah. You were, you were yeah. pretty focused right away. Well, yeah. All right. Well, Kate, you're spectacular. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. you doing this. No, thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. First, of course, I'm going to thank Kate for coming on the show and telling us her story. And then I want to thank Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod 5. Head over to omnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get started and learn more. I also want to thank US Med and remind you that you can get your diabetes supplies the same way we do at US Med. Call 888-721-1514 or visit usmed.com forward slash juice box. Today, Kate taught me that I can do more than I thought was possible. And I hope that's what you took from this as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the juice box podcast. If you're looking for community, look no farther than juice box podcast type one diabetes on Facebook, a private group with over 33,000 members. There's something there for you. I promise. A question, a comment, a conversation, support, whatever you need, you'll find it at Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. And don't let the name fool you. There's plenty of people in there that have type 2 diabetes. Moody, Lada, or caregivers of people with diabetes. There's It runs the gamut over there. You really should check it out.